0: Morning, Fairfax Bible Church. It is good to see you all this morning and to sort of put a masked face. Uh, with the church, right? Like, uh, I bring you greetings from Quarryville, Pennsylvania. That's in Lancaster County, uh, the southern part of Lancaster County, where we have all the Amish. Uh, And uh, so, no, we are not Amish. And um, yes, we are happy to be here in a place that has a lot more pavement than we do. Um, But it's really good to see you. We have been tracking with your church for a long time. We knew Pastor Jeff and Carissa very well. And uh, our church prays for your church, especially through this current season that you're in of looking for a pastor. We are just like so, our hearts are burdened for you to find a pastor that is just uh, going to lead you well alongside the rest of your elders. Uh, But let me just say, like, I am so thankful uh, for your leadership here, and I, I have just heard their heart, and I, I know how much they love you, and I can see how well they are leading you. Uh, I've been talking to uh, Hang, and uh, just been praying for this service, and getting ready for this service, and um, he's just described how healthy this church is, and that's an encouragement to my heart as a partner church of yours in the great Commission collective um, we love partnering with healthy churches to see more healthy churches planted uh, we're all about that we're excited for that uh, by the way like I, I also hear that you have a number of really gifted preachers and uh, so thank you for having us here but like I listened to JT's sermon last week is JT around like yeah like and, and I was like, man, they they have some really gifted preachers in their church. And then Hank tells me it's his first sermon. Is that right? I'm like, I'm like, what, what? <laughs> so uh, just praise the Lord for that, and and let the Lord do what He wants to do in your church in this time, uh, because from what I can tell, uh, this season right here is special. When when God is at work in a church and He's doing something. Uh, all that we can the, the, the best word that we can come up with for that is uh, this is special, and so it's special for me to be here today. Uh, would you pray with me as we open god 's word? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come before your word uh, with fear and trembling, knowing that that you are the God who spoke and the worlds were formed, uh, knowing that that this same word forms and shapes and fashions us according to the likeness of your son. If only we would turn to you in faith. And so we turn to you in faith right now, uh, believing that you want to do a work in our hearts, believing that you want to uh, speak peace to our souls, not, not peace that, that all is well in this world, uh, but peace that all is well through Christ. And so I pray with the psalmist, uh, let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, his saints, but let them not turn back to folly, Lord. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him that glory may dwell in our land. And so, so we pray that, that glory would be experienced among us, that, that we would understand your glory more, that we would believe that you are with us, that you are even in us by your Holy Spirit, indwelling your church, motivating and mobilizing your people on mission. And may this sermon serve to that end this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 this morning, and I've been uh, asked to preach on the topic of peace as part of your Advent series. Uh, Peace is is kind of one of those things that all of us long for, uh, but it's really hard to find. And so I I brought with me a a video that I think captures uh, the essence of, of kind of the way that Christmas brings peace to us. And so let's just turn our attention to the screen right now. i clean. Night? Ein Britterkopf! Ein Britterkopf! Jim? Jim! Go, go, do it! Halt. halt! Er ist nicht bewaffnet! My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut me. Rose, she's called. Um, He's shown, I um, Doesn't that capture our reality sometimes? We can find sometimes fleeting moments of peace, but soon we're reminded that the battle is raging on around us. That video itself was actually a commercial for a British grocery store chain called Sainsbury's, but it tells the true story of a Christmas truce that occurred in 1914 between two battalions Who stopped fighting for one day, exchanged Christmas songs from the trenches, even set up Christmas trees, and then someone was brave enough to enter into no man's land, which is that desolate place between the trenches, and the two sides met in the middle to celebrate Christmas. And I can't help but think that that Christmas truce is just a a small picture of what Christmas has to offer to the world. The world is in conflict, physical conflict, spiritual conflict, relational conflict, emotional turmoil. And Jesus has entered into our no-man's land. And he has facilitated peace, first of all, between God and humanity... And then because of that, peace between people who should have no natural affinity for one another. Do you ever look at your church and say, why in the world are we together? We don't belong in the same place. And yet, and yet God facilitates peace and we get to be a part of this great thing called the church of Jesus Christ. And so... Look down at your Bibles. I, I, I want to show you how this was the design of Christmas all along to bring peace to God's people. Uh, look at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The first Christmas was about the breaking through of peace into a hostile world. But if we're connected to reality at all, we can still hear the sounds of war raging on around us, right? Like, do you ever wonder, did the angels get it right? Like, they said, peace, not just peace in heaven, peace on earth. Did they they get this right? Like, because sometimes it, it sure doesn't feel that way, right? It doesn't feel like peace when we experience conflict with our family or friends, It doesn't feel like peace when our nation is constantly experiencing political tensions and racial tensions and tensions over this disease that just seems to linger on forever and and we're still dealing with these things a year and a half plus later. Sometimes we're anxious or fearful about events in our past or future. Busyness often leaves us feeling really stressed out and far from a a peace-filled life. Maybe grief and tragedy have marked your past year, and the Christmas season is really just another reminder that someone you love is not going to be at the table anymore. We look at the world, and, and it seems like only violence and wars are on the rise And some of you feel that personally as you serve in our military and have seen things in this world that could not be described anywhere close to something like peace on earth. And so today I pray that you would find peace. If we're honest, it it can seem like a distant reality, maybe even a farce. But I want you to know today that it's true. It's true. What the angel said is true. There is a no man's land between the already and the not yet of peace. And the battle does rage on around us. And that is where we live, church. That's where we live. But we live in the peace of the Christmas truce. And our only job is not to return to the trenches and keep fighting the battles another day. Our job is to spread the word down the line that Jesus has won the victory and that the war is over and that all fighting can cease and we can find true peace in his kingdom. In fact, that's what Advent is all about. It's it's about looking back at the first coming of Jesus to learn how to wait and anticipate all that is coming in his future return. The the full peace of his kingdom that he is bringing to bear on us. When we learn to wait upon Jesus, we can experience the true peace in the midst of the conflicts of this world. And so today, I want you to find it. Because 2025 years or so ago, peace was laid in a manger. Peace was laid in a manger. Here's our big idea for the day. Find peace in the person of Jesus. Find peace in the person of Jesus. Just to give you some context for our study today, in Luke chapter 2, Luke was written uh, by a physician named Luke. He wanted to give a very detailed, very orderly account of the life of Christ. He wanted uh, a specific guy named Theophilus, who was a wealthy Greek, probably politician, uh, to have certainty concerning things that he had already been taught about Jesus. How many of you have already been taught this Christmas story before? You've learned this Christmas story. It's, it's like old news, right? But, but yet Theophilus needed some certainty still. And how many of us need certainty concerning the things that we have taught? How many of us wonder, is this peace really real? And so we can and we must have certainty this morning that we can find peace in the person of Jesus. Today we want to look at three ways that Jesus brings peace. We want to find peace in his gospel, in his glory, and in his grace. That's what we're going to focus on today. And so the first is this, find peace in the gospel of Jesus. Find peace in the gospel of Jesus it's it's such a familiar story to most of us but i just want you to put yourself there again with the shepherds on a field in a field outside of bethlehem doing what you do every night just watching your sheep it's dark perhaps it's quiet it's just another average night and then all of a sudden an angel of the lord shows up out of nowhere This is one of the Lord's messengers. The the Bible describes them as warriors of light. He shows up right in front of you in the field. And and Luke tells us that the glory of the Lord shone around them. What, What he's saying is that there's this radiant brilliance that comes from God's presence that is still visibly clinging to his heavenly form. He is Literally dripping with the glory of heaven, lighting up the area around them. So I think that it's only fitting that Luke tells us that they were filled with great fear, don't you think? I mean, you have to understand, like, shepherds are no sissies. These are man's men. These are guys who chase wolves down for fun. And even they are filled with great fear. I find it amazing that this angel who's about to tell them the good news of peace, that Jesus is with them, first brings fear to their hearts. These shepherds are experiencing the exact reason why we need peace in the first place. We won't find peace until we truly learn what it means to fear. We won't find peace until we truly learn what it means to fear. When we come face to face with the true glory of God, we know that we have no ability to stand in his presence. There is no other fear that can compare to the fear that is inspired by true glory because it's not just a physical fear. This is a fear that cuts you to the very soul. Soul. This is the fear that the prophet Isaiah experienced when he was confronted with the glory of God. When he said, woe is me for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of angel armies. That's the kind of fear that the shepherds are facing in Luke chapter 2. Verse 9, they're facing this awesome gap between their lowly state and the glory of God. Peace has to start here. It has to start with the fear of the Lord. Until our greatest fear becomes the fear of the Lord, we can't truly find peace. We will be unaware of our need for true peace until we encounter true fear. Without this, we're just like the shepherds, going about our daily business. Uh, Maybe our, our greatest stress is that our sheep gets caught in a ravine or our Excel spreadsheet gets lost. And then we come face to face with the glory of God and we realize that every other fear pales in comparison to that, which is why every other attempt to find true peace proves inadequate. Our greatest need for peace comes from the distance between our sin and the glory of God. Our sins have separated us from God. They have put conflict between us and God because we have gotten the world out of order. We have conflict between us and God, which then puts conflict between us and other people, which then puts conflict between us and the rest of creation, which then puts conflict between us and ourselves. And sin, both sins committed by us and by others around us, sin is the cause of any lack of peace. And sin is what separates us from God himself. That is the awareness of the shepherds as the glory of the Lord shines around them. It's, this is their, woe is me, I am unclean moment. And it's into that fear that the angel invites them Fear not. Fear not. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, if I'm afraid of something and somebody just says to me, don't be afraid, that doesn't work very well. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. There's a legitimate reason standing right in front of me why I should be afraid. And, And so the words fear not must be accompanied by an equally legitimate reason not to fear. And here's the reason that the angel gives. He says, for behold, it's like, look, pay attention. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So they're, they're feeling the bad news right now. They're feeling the gap between their sin and God's glory and fear not is an invitation to find peace in the good news they carry. I, I bring you good news. That word for good news is the word for gospel. This is the gospel proclamation of the angels. And notice it's, it's not just good news for the people who are dwelling secure in their houses in the town of Bethlehem. This is not just good news for maybe the, the religious Pharisees who try so hard to keep the law and look down on everyone else. This is not for the religious people and the, and, and the goody two-shoes and everybody else. No, no, no. This is not even just good news for the Jews This is good news for all the people, even shepherds, even outcast, despised, don't expect much from them, shepherds. That's who these guys were. They were the rough crowd. They were the wrong side of the tracks crowd. Uh, These were the rural rednecks. These were the ones who were looked down upon by the elite of society. And here's the gospel message that the angel has for that group and for everyone who will make themselves low enough to hear it today. Unto you, unto you, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, Who is Christ the Lord? That is a jam packed verse, and it tells the gospel so, so clearly. The angel says In the city of David, Bethlehem was the hometown of the king David. Uh, his ancestral line would trace their heritage there. And you, you might remember that, that Caesar Augustus had required that everyone in the Roman world should return to the town of their ancestry for a census so that he could raise their taxes. Like, how would you like that? Like, you're, I know that many of you aren't originally from Fairfax, right? And so, so everyone here has to go back to the city of your ancestry because the IRS said so so that they could raise their taxes, you think that would, like, disrupt your peace at all? That, that's the context of the first Christmas. That's why Mary and Joseph are in the city of David. They both are likely of the house of, and lineage of David, both of them. And that's important for another reason, too, because God had promised King David that one of his sons, one of his ancestors would sit on his throne and rule forever and ever. And currently, there was no son of David sitting on the throne. There, there hadn't been one for over 700 years because God was disciplining his people, Israel, with exile. And currently, he's allowing them to experience the oppression of the Roman occupation in their own land so that their hearts would turn to him and so that he could bring in this moment. Everything was set up for this moment when he sent his son into the world. And so Israel was waiting and longing for the promise of Dave, to David to be fulfilled. And they had every reason to believe that it would be fulfilled. Even though God was waiting, the prophets had promised, just like the prophet Micah had promised that God would restore the kingdom. He says this, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, Who are too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth." In other words, the the, the prophecy was that that in David's city, in Bethlehem, the promised anointed Savior King would be born and he shall be their peace. Peace was not ultimately going to come from an experience or a circumstance. It would be found, just like hope, it would be found in a person. And now in Luke 2, the angel is saying, uh, the one who is in labor has given birth. This is the promised one who shall stand and shepherd his flock, just like the shepherds were out there with their flocks. This is the one who would take care of his people and cause them to dwell secure, and his dominion will be to the ends of the earth. The angel is announcing, this is the one in whom you will find your peace. Peace is found in the person of Jesus, in the good news of his coming. Peace itself, the the very source and essence of peace was lying in a manger just down the hillside in the town of Bethlehem. And just in case they they missed that reference to the city of David, maybe they missed that class in, in school, the angel spells it out for him. He says, this is the one who was born as a savior. He's come to save his people from their sin. He has come to rescue them from the oppression of Satan, sin, and death. He's come to restore them to right relationship with, his God, with their God and with his people. And he did that by taking the same flesh and blood that was lying in a manger and living in that flesh as the perfect God-man who completely fulfilled all of the law and the prophecy about him and then taking that same Flesh that was lying in a manger and having it crucified on a cross. The flesh and blood that was lying in the manger was the same flesh and blood that died on a cross for you and for me. And in that, he was taking on the penalty that our sins deserve. He was taking our sin and our shame upon himself and that same body that laid in a manger laid in a tomb until the third day. And on the third day, that same body rose again to victorious life. And 40 days after that, that same body ascended and sat down at the right hand of the Father where he sits even now. That's how this one who was born in the city of David would be their savior. And you see, he's, he's not just any savior, he is the, the Christ. The Christ. The word Christ is, is not just like a, a last name for Jesus or something like that. It, it, the Greek, it's the Greek translation for the Hebrew word Messiah. And whenever. He, you hear or read the word Christ, you should think immediately, uh, promised, anointed, Savior, King. Can you say that with me? Promised, anointed, Savior, King. One more time. Promised, anointed, Savior, King. So he was promised. Just like Micah had prophesied and promised that this one was to come. He was anointed. This is the one that God had chosen. This is the one that God confirmed himself He was the savior. We just covered that. And he is the king. He has total dominion over all of God's kingdom. And that total authority is also captured in the word that the angel uses. He is Christ, the Lord, the Lord. He is master. He is supreme. But I believe this is also a reference to the fact that Jesus is God. Understand, that the scriptures clearly affirm that the baby lying in a manger is the God through whom all things were created, only now wrapped in human flesh. And so he may appear cute and small, but there is more to this baby that meets the eye. Don't ever allow the nostalgia of Christmas and the cute little nativities and everything else minimize for you what God has done in sending his son in the flesh. The son of the most high God who existed from eternity past, the one who is from of old, from ancient days, added humanity to his divinity, and he did so so that he could be the one who fulfills God's promise and sits on David's throne forever. That's the gospel of Jesus. The Savior, Christ the Lord has been born in the city of David, and you will find him there, the angel says, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Micah prophesied he will be their peace, and the angel announced the good news, peace is laid in a manger. Have you found him there? Have you found him there? Personally, have you found this Savior who is Christ the Lord? We we find him and therefore find peace when we believe the good news about him. We find him when we come face to face with the glory of God and realize that we can't stand in his presence because of our sin. We find him when we put all of our faith in exactly what the angel said. That Jesus is the only one who can save us from our sin. We can't save ourselves by controlling enough of our lives, by being good enough. Your spouse can't save you. Your kids can't save you. Climbing the corporate ladder and achieving a certain status can't save you and provide you with more peace. Going to church every Sunday can't save you. Your favorite politician or leadership guru can't save you. Your vacation plans to escape reality next week can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Because only He is the Christ. Only He is the Lord. He is the baby who is lying in a manger in Bethlehem. And today He is the King who sits at the right hand of God. Have you found Him? Have you found peace in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Once you find peace in the gospel of Jesus, you can then find peace in the glory of Jesus. Find peace in the glory of Jesus. Look at verse 13 again. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I love the word that Luke uses in verse 13. Suddenly. Suddenly. I, I kind of envision the, the angels kind of hiding behind a heavenly curtain like this one, and it's closed. And they, you know, the one angel is supposed to go out first just so that they don't give all the shepherds a heart attack, right? And they're all just waiting, and they're like, he gives the message, and then they're like, Boom. Glory to God in the highest. Let's sing now. They're saying, do you know who this baby is? Because we do. We do. He's the one who we've been worshiping ever since we were created. He's the one who sends us out as his messengers and who tells us to watch over his people. He is the glorious God of heaven, and we know it, and we got to tell you about it, because now he's here on earth among you to provide peace. I said before that glory was what caused the shepherds' fear. Their encounter with glory initially caused a lack of peace, but through the gospel, glory now becomes our source of peace. Through the good news of Jesus, we're no longer opposed to God's glory and therefore we benefit from God's glory. Glory is the sum total of all that makes God, God. You could call God's glory, his, his Godness or his weightiness. It's all of his perfect attributes put together, his omnipresence and his omnipotence and his omniscience. All of his holiness and righteousness and justice and love and peace and grace and mercy. God's glory is God's wisdom and dominion and power and authority. And listen, all of it was pleased to dwell in a baby in a manger. In Jesus, the glory of God. Is moving toward his people to bring peace. Now we've been using this word "peace" a lot, but we really haven't defined it, have we? How would you personally define peace? Just let yourself have a little thought exercise here. Like, how would you personally define peace? Uh, maybe, maybe you would define it as the absence of conflict or fear or anxiety. Maybe uh, it's the existence of happiness or rest or quiet serenity. Maybe for you uh, moms, it's the moment that you put your kids down to bed and they actually go to sleep. That's how most people would define peace. But when God announces peace through the angels, we have to understand he's not promising serenity. He's not promising an easy life. He's promising the wholeness that comes through a right relationship with his glory. That's the biblical definition of peace. A wholeness that comes through a right relationship with his glory. He's promising a restored relationship with God that leads to a reordering of our entire lives in the way that they should have been from the beginning of creation. Peace is the wholeness that comes when everything is put back in right relationship to the glory of God. You see, peace is elusive because people or things are vying for the glory that only God deserves. Nations war against each other usually because one of them wants to be the supreme power. They want to have the control. Uh, We fight with our spouse or our siblings, kids. Because we want to be proven right and we want them to be proven wrong. We stress out at work because we want the glory that comes from that pay raise or promotion, the sense of satisfaction and control, maybe even identification. Peace is elusive because people or things are vying for glory that only belongs to God. And God, When we exalt the glory of Jesus above all things, everything else takes its rightful place. Everything else begins to find its place under his authority. So we we stop fighting for our own glory because nothing comes close to his glory. We stop striving to produce a peace that won't last because his glory has satisfied our souls. We learn to see that God's glory is where we find our greatest good. That's, that's peace. Now, it's not always peace like we envision it, right? It's not always like, Silent night, or away in a manger, no crying he makes. Like, sometimes the baby cries. And sometimes the sounds of war ring out in the distance, And sometimes even the bomb hits close to home. Sometimes we feel outcast or at odds with people, maybe like the shepherds did. Sometimes governments do frustrating stuff like make you leave your town and raise your taxes. But even in the suffering, God is working all things together for his ultimate glory, which is our maximum good. That's how we find peace between the already and the not yet of Advent by focusing on the glory of God. See, God is using this present age and all of the hardship that it brings to set our hearts on Jesus. He's molding us into his likeness. He's ordering our lives around him. He's making us his people. He's giving us the security of the anticipation of his kingdom. That's peace. Do you ever find yourself lacking peace? If and when you do, check to see whose glory you're seeking. How much of our lack of peace comes from seeking our own glory or the glory of someone or something other than Jesus? Which only leads to conflict and stress and frustration. But when you get your eyes on Jesus, his glory takes its proper place. Just to make this really practical, take a cue from the angels. Sing. Sing the glories of God. Singing has a way of getting our hearts in tune with God. Uh, Sing and memorize the Christmas hymns. Like, like, Like this first verse from O Little Town of Bethlehem. Just listen to it. O little town of Bethlehem, How still we see thee lie, above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet, in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Sometimes you have to sing and memorize more than just the first verse of the Christmas hymns. So listen to this second verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as men with, man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Sing the glories of God. And don't let them just be cute, nostalgic Christmas carols that you sing outside of people's houses and don't think about what they mean. How how much of our world is walking through the mall right now listening to the gospel and they don't even know what they're listening to? Pay attention. Get your eyes on his glory. Because singing tunes our hearts to God's glory and it rests our hearts in God's grace. That's the last thing that I wanted you to see today in verse 14, a phrase that can be easily overlooked. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those who? With whom he is pleased. Or if you have an NIV, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Find peace in the grace of Jesus. Find peace in the grace of Jesus. For for God to draw near with his glory and make peace, it must be an act of grace. It's important that we understand that not everyone will find peace in the coming of Jesus. The good news is for all the people, but the actual experience of peace is for those on whom his favor rests. The word that is translated Pleased or favor uh, describes the sovereign will of God or the sovereign grace of God. It is the purposes of God that pour out from his heart. It's sometimes translated in the Bible as his gracious will. His gracious will. It's not something that originates in us. Rather, it originates in God. It is the initiative of his heart. It is the thing that he delights to do. That's what I love about the translation of the word pleased. It's something that he delights to do. And so often a lack of peace comes from trying to manipulate things in order to earn favor. Maybe it's the favor of specific people for for students that might be here this morning. uh, Maybe it's the, the favor of a certain group of people at school. For you uh, professionals, maybe it's the favor of those who are considered elite in your field. Maybe you even lack peace because you think that you need to earn favor with God himself. Peace is the result of God's favor or pleasure that is pronounced, not earned. That's grace. That's grace. The shepherds receiving this message did nothing to deserve it being delivered to them. They were just sitting there in the field, minding their own business, and God sent his angels to pull back the curtain of heaven for them. He sent his angels to proclaim his gospel and reveal his glory and to announce that the source of all peace was lying in a manger so that they could go and worship him. They heard the gospel of Jesus as recipients of grace. And the same is true of us. If you're sitting here today hearing the gospel of Jesus, you are a recipient of grace. Every single one of us starts out life just like those shepherds. We're we're doing our own thing, we're minding our own business. At Oak Hill, we're we're studying Ephesians chapter 2, and and it just reminds me of of, of Ephesians 2, where it says that we were all dead in our sin following the course of this world, just going along with the flow of the rest of things, following the prince of the power of the air, children of wrath, but God, rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses of sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And Ephesians 2 says that God did that so that... This is what I find fascinating. So that in the coming ages, he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In other words, God saved us so that he could keep showing us grace for all of eternity. He hasn't saved you to leave you out to dry. He's saved you so that he can keep showing you his grace. Believer, allow the grace of Jesus to produce peace in your heart today. You don't deserve God's favor. You can't earn it or achieve it. It's not up to you to maintain it. His favor originates in him. And if you hear the good news of Jesus today and you believe it, if you give glory to Jesus who is the Savior, who is Christ the Lord then you are revealing that you are a recipient of grace and you are one upon whom his favor has come to rest. Understand, believer, God's disposition toward you is not one of disgust or displeasure. He is happy. He is pleased to reveal Jesus to you He is happy to sustain you by his grace and to transform you by his grace and to show you off as a work of his grace alone. And so let me ask you, is there any anxious striving for the favor of God or others that is keeping you from peace? Abandon it and experience the peace that only God's grace can bring. See, we live in the no man's land of Advent between the already of peace that Christ has already secured and the not yet of peace that he's going to usher in with his eternal kingdom. But he has proclaimed to us his gospel and he has revealed to us his glory and he has shown us his grace. And so today, find peace in the person of Jesus. Let's pray.